on this episode of the Ministry of Motion Pictures podcast. You know, I'll watch so many, I mean, I just mentioned Evil Dead. The theology in that is pretty off, but it never claimed to be accurate. And so I think about these movies based on the book they claim they're making the movie based on. You know, what are you saying? Like, is this what what you think the Bible is saying within the world of the movie itself or the people making the movie. If you're, if, if I secede all of the claims, all of the criticisms of this movie's poorly made and it's bad story and bad character, all of that, okay, but the whole point is as long as it has a good message, and oftentimes it's not even good at that. And I'm like, well, then what is the point of this movie? You're listening to the Ministry of Motion Pictures podcast, where we call faith-based filmmakers to cinematic excellence, bold storytelling, and sound theology. If we believe we have the greatest stories to tell, we need to deliver on that conviction. I'm writer and director, and your host, Todd Schaefer. We have a fun episode here with my guest, Kevin McCreary, the young man behind the YouTube channel, Say Goodnight, Kevin. Kevin's what I would call an entertaining film critiquer. You heard me right, not a film critic, a film critiquer. Kevin is like a good script doctor who has a keen eye to tell your story back to you in order to point out its weaknesses, problems, and strengths. And what's more, Kevin is wildly entertaining. Film criticism is generally not very exciting stuff for the average person. Our relationship to film critics is the same as our relationship to consumer reports. It's rare to find entertaining film criticism. Remember the TV show Siskel and Ebert? Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert were both informative and entertaining, not because they were fun, but because they were serious, and they were often pitted against each other on the merits of a particular film. They were far more entertaining when they disagreed. Kevin is serious and fun. You're always guaranteed some laughs as he unwinds the film to offer his keen insight and constructive criticism. And I emphasize constructive because he doesn't just criticize films, he is instructive. His motto is, holding Christian films to the same standards as Hollywood. As I've said in previous episodes, the faith-based film genre needs good film critics in order for it to grow and thrive, and Kevin stands among the best. This is episode 36. You're a media producer. You live in Nashville. You also do editing. Um, you've worked for Focus on the Family, The Adventures in Odyssey. You've done some editing there. You had your own studio called KMAP, KMAP, which I guess stands for Kevin McCreary Audio Productions. Wow, nice. Yeah, I've never had anybody uh, guess what that was. <laughs> was a co- <laughs> in college, I, I did that. Just I had djmacjd at yahoo.com was my old email address. Wow, and um, and I figured you you know I guess that's one of those moments where you have to grow up. You're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have DJ. Like I wasn't a DJ. I just thought it was funny. Uh, <laughs> this high school email address. Yeah. At least it wasn't Kevin Boy fourteen. <laughs> I would have been more Juno. memorable. Com. But <laughs> easy to remember. <laughs> You've also produced a number of podcasts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You produced a number of podcasts, The Ceiling Fan, Adventures in Odyssey podcast, uh, and the one that I'm excited about is Say Goodnight, Kevin. Uh, you also rap. You got a lot of <laughs> rap videos I saw in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so have you always lived in Nashville? I haven't, no. Uh, I started out my life... <laughs> 
<laughs> in Michigan. My family's from Michigan, mm-hmm. and then they moved to the South when I was 11 to South Carolina. And so I think that, I don't know, I think that kind of, for me, introduced me to, um, it kind of started me on an observational life path. Uh, I really like observing things that are different and um, finding differences and and laughing about them and finding the humor in things and because going from the north to the south um there's differences and and it's weird because our our culture even though it's been hundreds of years there's still a very funny differences between things they do in the north and things they do in the south and it it made me kind of culturally aware very very quickly and um and my family always you know just little things that they say in the north and the south it's different so um i'm probably i always avoided getting a southern accent because i knew that they didn't uh they didn't talk like that on the radio (laughs) and on tv and so i always avoided that and uh but yeah so uh, there's nothing happening though in south carolina as as far as media goes and so i moved to nashville good and there's a lot yeah, going on here. That's where you started working for. Um, uh, hold on, you were in focus on the family, so that would have put you in Colorado Springs. Yeah, Colorado Springs. Yeah, I lived there for two years mm-hmm. out of college. Um, it was my first first gig. I interned there and then worked there, and uh, it was a good place to start because focus on the family. Um, they are whether or not people agree with all of their different stances mm-hmm. on different things they uh they are very dedicated mm-hmm. to quality and so it was really cool to um to be in a place that like they didn't let anything go if i was editing something and it sounded a little off it was called out and i had oh, to wow. fix it and so it was kind of kind of a boot camp sort of situation for uh audio production and audio editing and i think Adventures in Odyssey is the same way. Like they, because I I worked for the radio program, but I did some Adventures in Odyssey is where all the fun happens. You know, that's the kids mm-hmm. show, and it's it's a really creative show, and um and so I learned a ton about sound design and stuff from there. Let's jump into um, say goodnight, Kevin. Uh, how did that start? What gave you the idea for that? Well, I, so like you said, I I done a few different podcasts and um i had been doing this one podcast that was super niche it was actually it was like it it's called the ceiling fan and it was a fictional character doing a podcast about like that's the premise about Mm. and i was doing his voice it was this kid who claimed to be the biggest adventures and odyssey fan and within that he would do these different adventures and we also would do kind of a news report that was like The Onion, where it was doing like news about things happening in Adventures in Odyssey, but they were like made up things that you they wouldn't do on an actual Adventures in Odyssey episode. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like there was one where, um, I, I can't, you know, it's always, I always can't even remember ones that we did, but just little stupid things like Mr. Whitaker actually was running some sort of, um, like ring of kids, like ice cream smuggling ring or something like, you know, like <laughs> usually like more grown up <laughs> stuff that they wouldn't do on the show. Yeah. And uh-huh. it's, it was fun and funny, 
But like most people who know what Adventures in Odyssey is didn't find it funny because it's making fun of their favorite show. And most yeah. people who didn't know what Adventures in Odyssey was, who might have found it funny, well, they wouldn't find it funny because they didn't know what the show was. So it's a super niche thing. Um, and that's why I continue to do that same thing with Christian movies. Uh, <laughs> but I yeah. always, I don't know, I find that sort of thing funny. So I, um, I was doing that show. This, I'm leading to something, I promise. I was doing that show yeah. and no, I... I was working with several people. I, I found it very fun to, you know, this is kind of the, the age of new media and how far can I push it to where I'm making a, an audio drama with people all across the country, um, putting something together and it was a lot of fun, but it, it ended up being a ton of work and very dependent on the, you know, nobody was, everybody was volunteering to do it and so nobody was getting paid and uh, I was very dependent on other people and so uh, and, and waiting for them to get their lines in and stuff and and I felt bad because I was always kind of pressuring people to do something and, and it felt like it was my you know I was pushing people in my towards my dream I guess and um, and I was like you know I've, I like video production I've always wanted to start a YouTube channel and so I had the stuff, I had the camera and, and the equipment to do it. And I, I thought, you know, I should just mm -hmm. do something that's just me. And so the idea of my YouTube channel was just to, to make something that was me. Um, it was like a side project where I could just talk about things. And I ended up, you know, I, when I first started the channel, it was just kind of me doing listicle type videos where it's like, hey, here's five reasons cell phones are dumb. Am I right? And and I but I always <laughs> enjoyed experimenting with different stuff. And I figured, well, this is this is a cool creative outlet because I can do whatever I want because not a whole lot of people are watching. And um, and so I would try different stuff. And it was kind of my little creative playground. And it was actually when I'd, I'd been watching a lot of Nostalgia Critic who um, does movie reviews and stuff. And I was kind of, I was like, I should do something that's like that, but with Christian movies. And so it was more, I was doing a parody of his videos and um, and people liked it. It got more views. I, I, I reviewed the Kirk Cameron Left Behind movie. And it was kind of, I, I always loved Mystery Science Theater and, um, and Riff Tracks, and I always wanted to yeah. do one of those types of things. And so this was kind of my opportunity to try my hand at it. And, um, and I loved it. I, I enjoyed doing it so much that, uh, and people seem to like it. And I, I always tell people, like, whenever they're doing a creative project, if it's, um, if it's YouTube or podcasting or whatever, you know, people want to do something like this, but they don't know what exactly to do. Uh, I always say experiment and, and play around and figure out, find your voice. And finding your voice to me, I think means finding, it's three yes. things. It's kind of a trifecta, something that you enjoy doing, something that people seem to like that you do or want you know, something that people respond to and want more of and something that you're good at. Um, and because sometimes mm -hmm. you get two of those yes. and not three. 
Uh, and because you can, you can have something that you're good at and people like, but you don't yeah. enjoy doing it. I know some YouTubers like that who got, you know, their, their videos got big doing something that they don't actually enjoy doing anymore. And that I think can, can wear you down really quick. Mm. You can get burnt out really fast. Um, but it, you know, also yeah. it, you have to gauge which, you know, the level to which you like those you'd like to the level to which those are significant to you because if you're doing something that you love and that you're good at and people aren't really responding but enough people like i'm kind of that way because i don't have millions of subscribers but the people who do subscribe and the people who do watch my videos really like it and so to me that's enough mm. i could tell myself um you know that oh there's not enough people and so people aren't responding but um, I don't because I like the uh, the amount of I like the viewership and the people who find it think it's special and fun and so that's what I do. I review mainly Christian movies. You know, since I started off doing Christian movies, I like doing other stuff, but um, I think yeah. Christian movies is kind of where I found because I grew up in you know in the church and homeschooled and. Um, you know, in youth group and all of that, like, I think I find that's, that's me. That's where I really mm -hmm. feel like it's appropriate for me to criticize. Yeah. And, um, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I, I've, right. I was on a podcast though. recently where we were, we were talking about, um, how there've been people who are like, you, you know, this kind of niche criticism is something that exists like because the, it, something is catering to a niche audience like uh, someone brought up the Medea movies and they told me you should review the Medea movies because they suffer from a lot of the same things that Christian movies suffer from but geared towards a different niche and I'm like eh, yeah it's not really for me as a you know uh, white male to uh <laughs> to go after those movies I mean I could criticize it of course but to <laughs> kind of go after it because they're catering to a particular subculture um, you know I don't feel as comfortable with it where the person who was recommending me do that would feel more comfortable and I was like you should you should do that because it's definitely something that you could right. speak to from a, a much clearer perspective and so for me I feel like it is something that I can appropriately approach not that atheists or non-believers can't criticize christian movies in fact i think it's good that they do because it's good to see what people yes. who you claim to be trying to reach think of your movies um but I, you know uh -huh. for me as a christian i think that it gives a different perspective i'm a christian who isn't it, it doesn't bother me if someone criticizes a christian movie because it's just a movie. My salvation isn't in the movie itself. So um, right. I, I think that it's accountability is such a, a core part of Christianity and learning and growing. And to me, that's really learning is what um, what movie reviews and analytics or a analysis is all about. Like that's what you do, especially if you go into like a master's program, you're right. reviewing papers that were written and articles and ideas mm -hmm. that's uh, that type of analysis and film school is that way too where you're watching movies and critiquing them um that's what i like to do and that's kind of that's what i do on my channel along with making a few jokes along the way <laughs> well this is what i've been talking with uh with kev um um 
the guy from Gospel, with Brett McCracken uh, at the Gospel Coalition, mm-hmm. who yeah. does a lot of film reviews, and Tyler Smith, who I think you know. Um, um, the, these reviewers, I mean, I, I think criticism, movie criticism for Christian films has to be happening if we're going to have a Christian film industry that's growing and developing and becoming something more than what it has been in the past. Um, I think it's crucial that that happens. When you look at most uh, film movements throughout history in different parts of the world, like the French New Wave, the Italian New Realists, um, they were surrounded by critics uh, who were sometimes they were very, very scathing, and sometimes they were very helpful. And I think that's sort of the environment that, that all film has to come out of. There has to be that fostering of that whole unit. I don't, I, you know, Christian film doesn't just happen on its own. It has to be fertilized by um, the, the criti- criticism that, and we have to be open for it. We have to be open to the critiques because mm-hmm. then we're learning. We're learning and then we're doing the yeah. next thing. I, I think that you, know? you have to be, um, anytime you're doing anything creative or any sort of project, you have to be open to criticism and also willing to let it go. You know, let it yep. slide off your back That's and right. take it with a grain of salt because criticism is very much opinion driven and it comes from one perspective or another. But if you find some criticism that you, you know, if you're open to it and you're like, OK, this is something that is making some valid points, then yeah. listen to it and learn from it. Um, but if not, if it's like, well, this this clearly is is just making fun, then, you know, OK. Yeah. there's glad somebody noticed yeah well i mean any criticism could either be someone's opinion or it could be reality that you miss something as a filmmaker or a storyteller you had this flaw yeah. and other people are going to let you know about it and you learn from that and you know i i come from animation mainly so i'm, I'm teaching people how to do art i'm teaching them how to do animation and performance and that sort of thing so i, and I always tell them it's going to take a long time for you to to produce something that's not a failure. You have to be willing to do those failures and make those mistakes because that's how you grow. Without failure, you're not growing. And I think, you know, in a sense, mm. Christian film is still in that infancy where we're not quite sure what it is. And there, a lot of filmmakers are coming at this really new, so they don't have the tools and they don't have the, uh, the, the experience to learn from um, that other people, like in Hollywood, they have to, they have to fight uh, to get to those positions and you know only the cream rises to the top and because it's so competitive yeah. the competitive ones who are successful are the ones who get there whereas in christian film it's just like the doors open and whoever comes in you know okay right you point a camera whatever it's going to take time for those filmmakers to actually grow and develop and that you know yeah. i think that's what we're seeing and where we are in this in the industry at this point i mean i always feel i always say that like some of these filmmakers if their movie was not a Christian movie, they wouldn't, they, it would be totally fine that they're, it's, it's all fine that people are making whatever they want to make, but typically this particular caliber of film would not be a theatrical release. It would be a, um, you know, a, uh, touring film festivals and stuff. And you always, I mean, if you watch a TV show, you're not judging it the acting and the the visual effects and stuff the same way as you do when you um whenever you watch a movie in the movie theater and there's just some sort of we always give forgiveness or um you know two different mediums and so i think that's what stands out with christian movies is that a lot of times 
movies that really aren't supposed to be where they are are elevated into positions that are that that feel weird then it's like well if a secular movie was in theaters typically this wouldn't be the caliber to which you know it would be typically this caliber movie ends up you know somewhere else and so whenever you see you know even but then you drop down you you watch um you know now that amazon lets anybody upload their movie uh, you can see on Amazon Prime some of these. I, I'm friends with a lot of Christian filmmakers, and I'll see, hey, our movie is up on, you know, I'll see it on Facebook. Our movie's up on Amazon Prime now, and I'll go check it out, and and it's embarrassing sometimes yeah, yeah. <laughs> to see because it's like, well, this movie is not being distributed on a platform, and this, I mean, I think other genres like the horror genre deals with that too, yeah. where you you kind of have these movies where because people just people who like those movies really they kind of there's a level of forgiveness i guess <laughs> where they're like yeah, yeah we just love to see i don't know i don't watch a lot of horror movies but i just know <laughs> that people who watch horror movies will uh will put up with a lot yes of hokiness for their <laughs> horror movies but the, you know you've got genre, you know it's yeah a... yeah exactly but i but that's what's weird is that's Everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. I mean, they know that and they intend to do it. Sometimes you watch these horror movies and the blood is so obviously fake. And it's, you know, I mean, the f- most famous one, I think, is Evil Dead, where it's just <laughs> so, especially Evil Dead 2, it's so over the top and extreme. Yeah. And it's intentionally that way. Yeah. But I don't yeah. think... No, And so people watch it and they, they get grossed out and they laugh and they have a good time and probably get drunk and high and whatever watching these movies at these festivals and stuff but that's not like that's not what christian movies do like that's and that i think is what's interesting about the kind of the genre is what it genres oftentimes you know you think about found footage films and if I were to, I always, I say this, I've said this before uh, on podcasts, so I'm sorry if I'm, if I'm repeating myself, but I was thinking about how, I always think about how found footage movies, if I were to watch one and criticize it and say, I don't like the shaky cam here, uh, then it would be on me to recognize that I don't like found footage movies because that's what they are it's a attribute of the genre and so in the same way i i you could say like well this movie talks about jesus well what do you expect you're they're not gonna be preaching about buddha in a christian movie so in that respect it's a genre but i don't think and i think the same way with with uh schlocky horror movies have you know these overly gaudy blood and guts and and bad special effects and stuff. So if you mm-hmm. if that's the intention, but I don't think cheesy is the intention of Christian filmmakers. And so right. I to me I understand that there's certain aspects of the genre that are a genre in Christian films, but I do think that there is a level to which uh, Christian filmmakers don't want their films to be what what critics what critics are saying. They're not. It's one thing where you can right. say, well, you're criticizing it for something that it is and we know that it is and that's the intention of it. But I mm. think that there's, I don't think bad movie 
is an attribute of the genre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I I agree with you. I I think because it's a B movie genre, it's easy entry level and just like horror. If you look at all the a lot of these uh big directors today, they all got mm-hmm. their start in horror, a lot of them. Um and Christian film is sort of the same way. It's that easy entry level thing. And it's because it's got, like you said, it's got an audience that doesn't, isn't very demanding of what it wants. It really likes the message and the affirmation of its beliefs and its, and the things that it enjoys about it. Um, so that's what causes it to survive, which is a good thing in some ways, because it, it, it is a captive audience that's underserved and is looking for this kind of content. So it's easier to hit as a, as a target. But the bad is that it's mm-hmm. it's going to get stuck in that rut. But that's I, that's exactly what it is, though. Right, right. Yeah, because it's a target market, not a genre. I think that there's a big difference because I think that when I... I, I watched the first Evil Dead movie uh, recently to kind of analyze it, to get to figure out what is it that, like people saw in this that they knew Sam Raimi could be a a big director and what's interesting about that movie is that it's it is a filmmaker's movie because it you see exactly how he did every special effect and it's not so much that it's easily covered but it's actually Mm -hmm. it's almost like the movie is a behind the scenes in and of itself because you see what he did but also that it must have taken so much time to do it and that it was very creative that he did it that way. Whenever like the arms, there's this part where these arms come through a door and you can see where they cut the door (laughs) in order to have the arms poke through there. And so you see all of the, all of the things within it. Like, you know, you don't have to watch the, how did they do that? Cause you know. So if you're somebody who is, you know, who likes stop motion animation or you like you know practical effects it's kind of a here's some ways you can do practical effects in and of itself in the movie and i think that because of that you have kind of a it it even if it's cheesy yeah. it's very creative and so that's why you do have a lot of these horror f- directors becoming big filmmakers because they're here's a low budget thing that they're encouraged to be super creative within the constraints of a budget and i don't know that that happens in christian movies in general it's not a genre that's known for yes cheesy but extremely creative i think uh, part of that is that a lot of filmmakers come at it thinking, oh, well, if they can do that in a Hollywood film and that's really a bad decision, then I can do that. So what's to stop me? So they're not necessarily coming at it from a creative standpoint. A lot of them are coming at it from uh, a messaging standpoint. But mm. the, the thing that I find is that in general, there is a, a disrespect for the craft of filmmaking there there's an uh, there's this belief that anybody can do it and sadly you know i have to say that spielberg and scorsese and those guys said you know there's going to become a day when everybody can get a camera and everybody can go make a movie and they're going to be making lots of movies 
That's like saying you can walk through um, a community art show and look at all the art that some, that these pe folks are doing in this small little community. These little portraits that look ugly and you know bad barns and that sort of thing, and go, hey, I can do better than that. Give me some paint and canvas, and I'm going to produce better art than those guys. It, it, it unless you've ever painted, you don't know how difficult it is. You can spot the problems, but that doesn't mean you can execute and do something better than what's there. It's it's a sense of the craft. There's no sense of craftsmanship. Uh, a respect for the craftsmanship it takes to produce some of these things. And so people go in and do mm -hmm. gangbusters without any understanding that, you know, people have spent years and, you know, most of their lives developing the skills and the abilities to do something that's powerful and moving and is at a high level of quality, creative quality. And that's why we get a lot of these bad films is because they think anybody can do it and they just get out and start shooting stuff. And it's only until they start trying to put it together do they realize, holy cow, I really don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yes. I mean, that, I feel like that's why, because it's true, like criticizing is easy. Yep. Um, that's what I do. <laughs> but I recognize <laughs> I can do that. And I also recognize I probably can't make a movie. Uh, and so I don't. <laughs> that's my superpower. I know what I don't know how to do, so I don't do it. Yeah, that's true. But and I do feel do, like that's... You do well, Kevin. I have See, to there you, you go. I, Thank I you. Love, <laughs> I love your YouTube channel. I love... You know, honestly, I there was, I had on my list... I, I always have a list of films to watch. And, you know, I throw in a Christian film in there, especially because I'm doing this podcast, and I, I just want to be on top of things and see what's going on, and I want to be... And... and some of them I just I can't watch them I don't have the stomach that you have so I'll I'll go okay, I'll now type in your your video uh your YouTube channel say did did Kevin do a review on this oh yes he did so then I get to sit down for an hour and be entertained while you're while you're analyzing this film and that's more my wife and I enjoy watching your your YouTube reviews on some of these films more so than the film themselves well good and you're watching it uh for my commentary not as a replacement to the film correct oh right exactly for legal purposes exactly. we got to make sure that's clear that uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes that's true I, i'm watching it because you're you're entertaining there's the way, added the way value you talk about things and you've got Good. a lot of added value it is so entertaining it, well i really hard. appreciate I mean, that you have a, an ability to make an entertaining review that i haven't even seen much of in the secular world um i i think you could really branch off into that area well thank um, you i mean you're you're entertaining your critiques are really good. Your point on when it comes to story and for and the cinematic qualities that that are lacking or else good because you you do praise a lot of these these films for the good story points, the good characters, the good cinematics, and you're also very knowledgeable about the theology. And I I, I appreciate how you point those things out where you know it, it's sort of left in this nebulous land even in a christian film what what are they really saying mm -hmm. there and you're like wait a minute this is the truth and you guys are skirting around the truth because you're not willing to say this or whatever you yeah. know it, it, it could be anything yeah i so I, I find i find that critique, yeah, oh ahead. i just i find that important not because i'm 
you know, I'll watch so many. I mean, I just mentioned Evil Dead. The theology in that is pretty off, but it yeah. never claimed to be accurate. <laughs> And so I think to me, I I think about these movies based on the book they claim they're making the movie based on, you know, not not that every movie is a biblical epic, but like you claim to believe this thing. And so, why, you know, what are you saying? Like, is this what? what you think the Bible is saying. And since I grew up in church and because, you know, I went to school at a Christian school and theology is important to me. Um, and, and I, it's, it's more of a hobby. I think I find it interesting. Um, you know, it's also my faith is important to me, but like, I, it's not important for me to convince people. I think that the Holy spirit can do that. Um, I like telling people what I've discovered and found, but, um, you know, I I do think that within the world of the movie itself or the people making the movie, if you're going to make a movie with this stated, you know, even the bottom, if you're if if I uh, secede all of the claims, all of the criticisms of this movie's poorly made and it's bad story and bad character, all of that. OK, but the whole point is, as long as it has a good message if I, then how is it even as a message? And oftentimes it's not even good at that. And I'm like, well then what is the point of this movie? Yes, that's right. So I I don't want, I I don't like to, you know, there's, there are people who, who write um, reviews and my point isn't always to review the theology of the movie to see, are they being, you know, are you being Christian enough in your movie? But I, you know, if you're going to make a movie with, you know, it, it would be the same way if someone did a true story and said, this is this is a true story. It would be prudent for me to point out where it isn't true. You know, like they, they said, this is a true story. I watched that movie on uh, Amazon Prime um, about the the it was called the uh, about the hot air balloon, the uh, the. I can't remember. <laughs> it uh, it's a movie about a, a guy who goes up in a weather balloon, and um, and what's interesting about the movie's pretty good. But my wife and I were watching, and we looked up the real story, and it's so far off that it's the movie has this this man and this woman going up, and they don't like each other at first, and it's this very like kind of the the foundation of it is very much a chick flick where they don't like each other and then they fall in love and that sort of thing well in real life there was it was two dudes who went up and there was no love story and it's so like it's so off base on so if you were if i was reviewing that movie i would feel it necessary to point out that hey this is a good movie but it's almost entirely fictional like there's very little that happened in this movie that you know i feel the same way about um remember the titans where that movie is such a good movie but it's pretty much 80 percent made up and and i think yeah see just ruined your whole day (laughs) but you know the i think in the same way if a movie's gonna claim to be christian i think that's why i end up pointing out theological stuff in my reviews is just because i think it's important to 
when something's off base, at least from my perspective, I know that my theology is probably different than than a, you know a lot of people. I have lots of people who are Catholic and Protestant and Mormon and uh, you know atheist and all kinds of people who watch my show. Um, but from what I've read in the Bible and what I've seen, you know, I I point that out. I do the same thing with economics. I do the same thing with you know storytelling because I know a lot of this stuff is. There's very, very smart people who are way smarter than me who believe differently than me on some of these things. But here, you know, that's why I do emphasize that it's an opinion, but, you know, it, it's, I truly believe it. But that's part of your voice, <laughs> so. too. I think, you, I think we, we should not be afraid to criticize the theology where it's off, where it's drifting into heresy, where it's going to confuse people. Um, yeah, and I don't think it happens enough. Yeah, because sometimes I think yeah. the directors don't know. I think that's one of the main things I like to point out is here's the thing, and I don't know if yeah. you know that this is how this is coming across. Right. I do that a lot <laughs> with uh, innuendos because uh, <laughs> sometimes it's just so much like, do you know what you've done here? Because anybody watching this movie who has, you know, who's worked at a restaurant. In a, in a restaurant kitchen for five minutes will not think that you are being very pure in this in this moment like and sometimes maybe I have a perverted mind but sometimes I'm like I don't know anybody who's gonna maybe just be aware uh, it's, it's, it's important it's, it's crucial it's, it, it's part of the fiber of crucial um, concern in these movies and we have to make sure that they're being clear. I mean, if they're going to present a salvation message, right. they need to do a little bit better than your Sunday school flannel graph that, you know, you're just trying to entertain the kids for a time being. we got to elevate ourselves. And and that, that's one of the things I find with Christian films. Is I, I sit there at the end and I'm going, did that really represent myself, mm. my faith uh, to the world? And would I be happy with a non-believer sitting down and going, oh, that, that, that must be what Todd's all about? Yeah. No. It's not what I'm yeah. all about. It, it, it's, it's embarrassing. Yeah, that's, I mean, that that's very much my perspective as well. Like, if an atheist or if a non-believer, if someone, if an alien comes along and watches this movie, it, sometimes I think that there's a Christian bubble or, or there's right. almost this Christian entertainment inbreeding where uh, one Christian thing is successful and then more of those things are produced and it's like where you know I feel that way with Christian music I put on uh, K-Love or something and I'm like there's nothing in the secular yeah. world that sounds like this but I can see if you follow the genealogy of yeah. Christian music how they came to this because it's all this you know it's all the same very reverby <laughs> very like you know I guess praise and worship I guess the closest thing is like a U2 type thing but like so far removed from that that at one point christian music had it sounded were inspired by u2 but not as good and then this is like five generations removed from that it's just all right. very weird because it, right. but yet everybody's like yeah yeah that's good oh i love it that's and it's just it's all inspired by itself yeah to where it's yeah, so yeah. far removed from like if someone watching this who's who's not part of that niche and i think that's something that that movie um uh gavin stone which i criticized very much um and i still would i think it 
I, I've you know Dallas Jenkins has done much better things since he's he's made the chosen. But that's one part about that movie that I think is cool is that it's a fish out of water a fish out of water story about a guy from Hollywood who has to go to a very accurate church. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not like. You know, every movie, every time there's a church, it's some like gothic cathedral that the the, the pastor is right. always like there mm-hmm. in the sanctuary. <laughs> he's never yeah, in his office. At, at the end of the night, you know, yeah. nobody else is there, but he's sort of drifting <laughs> Just, in and out. And then they have their big, that's the big moment in the film where the character changes his mind. <laughs> yeah. And so what I like about Gavin Stone is that they, um, it, it feels like a real church, you know, like a real mega church, but like a, an actual church. And he's there and they're doing things that Christians do. You know, there, there could be a blog. I'm sure there was stuff Christians do. And, uh, and they're doing things like that. And he, you see it from his perspective and how weird it is. And I think that that's important to see like, oh, we're so caught up in our Bible study and our in, internal logic of our churches yeah. that we forget that maybe we should check and see and sometimes it is weird i mean we christians are a peculiar people and that's fine and that's yeah. great and there's things that we believe in that are weird but true yeah. but right. there are things that we do traditions and tendencies and and habits that we get into that aren't ever talked about in the bible aren't part of that and it's it's okay to keep doing those it's okay to have a potluck you know, I think that potlucks yeah. are great. I love going and getting fried chicken after Sunday church. It's awesome, but it's not necessary. <laughs> it's not necessary for salvation. Right. And, you know, I, I think that, uh, I think it's okay to not make sacred the things that aren't sacred. And Christian movies aren't sacred. And I get a lot of comments with people yeah. who seem to believe that they are. No, I know that. I think you know you said earlier that that the Christian film isn't a genre it's an audience. I think that's a really important distinction to make um because we are serving an audience that has an appetite for this. Yet at the same time I think there is sort of a genrefication of Christian film that has narrowed itself down into a very small p- footprint into what we call the Christian film genre. And certainly it has its own rules and expectations because it's based upon past success. And that's the way Hollywood works. Something's successful, we're not going to take a risk. We're just going to keep doing the same stuff that's been successful in the past. That is just typical Hollywood procedure uh, on things. And it takes these revisionary Mm -hmm. uh, directors who are independent and outside the system to come in with something that's successful that's completely different uh, and then they look at that and then, you know, eventually whatever that director did at that film is going to become its own subgenre within that genre as well. So for me, I look at it as we, we've got a very, very narrow spot within the Christian film, the films that will serve a Christian audience. And there is a lot more room, I think, for what could be done, done what the potential of Christian oriented filmmaking um, than what is represented today yeah. in in the Christian marketplace. Yeah, it's interesting because um, even you know looking at Tyler Smith and him talk him doing his uh, documentary, um, the name mm-hmm. of it slips my mind. Do you remember Real Redemption? R E E L Redemption. Yes, I think Christian movies were more creative in the '90s, even though they were. Uh, 
more cheesy as well. Um, I think that the ones that were uh, rising to the top were a lot of these like end times movies, which does, you know, are more like thrillers than just feel good. Um, kind of, you know, I said about the movie, I can only imagine it feels like the song personified into a movie. Yeah. And a lot of people like that movie. And, and I think that it kind of, it, you know, visually, it's one of the better ones. And acting, the acting is great. But I do think that just the emotion and the feeling that I get from the movie is very much like the song, which is it it feels real good and it repeats, it's cliche, it repeats itself over and over. And when it's done, uh, it's kind of tricked everybody into thinking it's good. Yeah. And it, it, because it does a lot of the, it, it, it's unashamed about doing all the things that make, you know, that like I remember hearing even back in the early 2000s, there was this computer program that record labels used to kind of run a song through to make sure it had all the elements that guaranteed that it would be a hit. And, uh, and they still have that type of thing today that kind of analyzes what elements in a song have been popular in the past and so this song has hits the mark on those things Mm. and the one thing that it can't do is predict innovation you know like rap music it wouldn't have been able to predict that would become popular um because it it hadn't been popular before and uh and i feel like sometimes songs you can sense that you can sense that wow this this is all the things that make a song popular and that's, I mean, that's what Hollywood does. Hollywood itself, you have movies like Independence Day, which I actually really like. Uh, I think that there's so there's a lot of heart in that movie and a lot of core elements. I mean, you can kind of compare the movie Independence Day, the original one with the sequel, which hits all these points, but is terrible. And it's just mm. by the numbers, fill in the blank. Right sort of movie and all the disaster movies that came after that um right. twister and and 2012 and all these movies it's all cliche the same thing yeah. but you look at a movie like the most recent godzilla movie i watched that one recently and it has all those points it's got the guy who's like you guys gotta listen to me i'm the only one who realizes this is all a bad idea (laughs) (laughs) and ever you know the the over eager military leader who's like we're gonna do this no matter what and it's but it's actually a really good movie and it's it's really well done it's interesting and it kind of subvert some of those expectations but also is exciting and the graphics are good and and has a lot of heart and stuff and i think that those i think that da- that's what dallas jenkins wanted to say about um about gavin stone is that yes it's cliched but it's done well and i, I think that to a degree that's true um you you have kind of um Anyway, I'm sorry. I went off on a tangent. You were talking well, we about... Tangents. We love the tangents. <laughs> you were talking about how there's kind of this this yeah. niche that's kind of... I do think that. I, I do think that there's a level to where a lot of the Christian movies, it's what's worked. Yeah. And so they're doing that thing. And, and mm-hmm. part of that is it is what's working. Like there are... It's not like there aren't creative Christian movies being made. Um, somewhere I'm sure. 
<laughs> I think I haven't seen them, but uh, I, you know, but there are movies like Gavin Stone. I think is better than a lot of the ones that are much more popular, and and sometimes I think that it's an uh, it's an audience, and that's always been my claim. I'm not making reviews to tell the directors what to do, but I'm making reviews the same reason anybody makes reviews, which is to inform the audience and maybe to educate the audience. And my hope is that Christians will say, okay, yeah, we've we've seen these movies that kind of say the thing that we believe, but you know, just like comic books, like, okay, we've seen our favorite comic book characters up on the screen, but what if we saw it in a good movie. Now that would be something else. And I think that, you know, the same thing could happen with Christian movies where there's a little bit more discernment where people say, yeah, there's so many Christian movies that are good that I'm not going to just support one that that kind of half donkeys it. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to cuss on your uh, podcast. My my, my, my... My uh, my theory uh, about Dallas Jenkins is that he has a very good story sense because he comes out of a family of writers. Mm-hmm. Right, his father is Jerry Jenkins, so his stuff tends to be a little more plausible and uh, entertaining. You know, just because it's got a better story. I think it begins. I think a lot of Christian films fail right out of the gate because they don't have a strong enough yeah. story. Yeah. Well, concept. I always say it doesn't take it doesn't take a budget to write a good script. And I mean, to a degree, right. you know, if you're good at writing, then you can charge more. But like <laughs> it to revise the script <laughs> to get that right first before you go into production. Yeah. That's where you can not shoot scenes that you have to cut out or feel like you can't cut something out because you spent a whole day filming that. And, you know, it's there. We made it. We don't want to waste that production day, you know, getting it down before you uh before you shoot and part of that is being a student of film and watching movies that maybe you don't necessarily feel comfortable watching but knowing that this is a classic film that has things ignoring the bad stuff and focusing on the things that make it a good film because it's not we can see through r-rated movies that flop that it's not saying the f-word that makes a movie good it's so many other things <laughs> that uh that can make a movie good and and i think that also scorsese proves that with his yes. movie um hugo which i really love that movie here's a guy who almost always makes r-rated films and mm-hmm. made a pg movie that kids can watch and it's such a good movie and it's because he's a very talented mm-hmm. director who knows how to make good movies and I, I always talk about Scorsese because I'm always impressed with him. I know there's people who actually aren't impressed with Scorsese. And that's yeah. fine because we all have opinions. But right. <laughs> I, think that, um, I think that most people can admit most of his movies are better than a lot of the Christian movies that come out. <laughs> you think? <laughs> and I think studying movies like, like uh, Goodfellas or Hugo... Um, or you know, looking at movies like The Godfather and and other ones that just looking at any top hundred list of best movies ever and figuring out you know looking at them and figuring out why are these movies good to me. I know that when I started, you know, I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I started reviewing movies as more of a joke. 
And I always love talking about movies. I always love talking, you know, it's my favorite thing to do. And I love talking about movies, but I'm not really like, I didn't go to film school or anything. And so when I realized this was something that I was gonna do mm-hmm. more often, I started being more of a student of film and reading more books about filmmaking. There's one called Directing that's on um, that's on Amazon you can get. It's usually a little more pricey, like $30, you know, but it's basically right. film school in a book. It's so good. It's a great reference book. But I started re- reading a lot of books about filmmaking and screenwriting and stuff just because <laughs> I felt like it was, if I'm going to be doing this more, yeah. if I'm going to be talking about it, I should know something about it. And that's why oftentimes I'll do kind of uh, rants yeah. of educational right. things in my reviews. Mm-hmm. I'll try to slip it in there, kind of a Trojan horse, Trojan horse edutainment, um, because I like pointing out, hey, here's a thing that is a good storytelling technique that is used in this movie. Do this more. You know, really? it, you mentioned that I'll I'll sometimes be positive, and that is kind of something that I'm thinking of, kind of my my target audience, which is generally. Um, you know, my, my core audience is generally 18 to 25, according to my analytics. And mm. yeah, and, and I think that that's because, or at least for me, I think, okay, those are college age students. Those are people who want to make movies or might potentially want to make movies. Let me, let me point out the things that they can learn. This is the future of Christian movie making. Let me tell them, here's something not only this is the bad thing which is funny and fun and and you can always feel pretentious and uh smart by pointing out the things that are wrong with a movie but here's a thing that is done right in this movie and why it makes why it works and or here's a thing that could have worked better um yeah cool. i don't know where i was going with all that but uh <laughs> those are things no that's good maybe you I could mean- Cut all that together to make a podcast. <laughs> have, you, have you read any um, um, uh, books by Richard Walter screen on screenwriting? Um, maybe. What has he done? Uh, he's done a couple books on screenwriting. One um, it's called Screen. I forget it's screenwriting. Anyhow, I'm only bringing it up because you sound a lot like Richard Walter when he talks about how films and stories work. Oh, and the uh, ascent. Essentials of screenwriting. Yeah, I that's have it. read Essentials that. Of yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Uh, since yeah, it that's in there. a really since good that one. In some of your stuff, so I thought, oh, he, he must be a student, or else he's he's got a sensibility like Richard Walter. It's, uh, yeah. That's a good uh, thing. A lot. Sometimes you know what's fun. Sometimes I'll read something and I'm like, oh, that's that's a thing that I've talked about, and I didn't know that had a term. Or I didn't know that that was a thing that people knew about. Like I knew people knew about it, but so much is just, sometimes it's just intuition where I'm like, this feels weird. Why does that feel weird in this movie? And so then I'll um, I'll kind of analyze that because it's sometimes it's hard. You can't find, like you can find like terminology. There's, there's, a, uh, there's a website that has like all the movie cliches and stuff, um, mm-hmm. all the tropes. But sometimes it's hard to find like terminology when you know some, you notice something is done a lot in a movie, but you can't quite find what it is. So reading the books has really helped me with that. Just kind of discover, oh, okay, so this yeah. this this is known in screenwriting. Um, screenwriting yeah. one hundred and one is another. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's actually a, a. It's not a book. It's a lecture on uh, 
Audible that um, that is really good. It it, it kind of is about um, reverse engineering films and scripts, and that's well, that was cool because that's what I've always done is reverse yeah. engineering. I'm looking at the final product and I'm speculating. So what? led to this <laughs> from from what me as a consumer am seeing what would have ha- what must have happened or could have happened or what would have gone through the mind of the writer to lead or the director or the filmmaker to lead them to make this creative decision and sometimes I'm wrong that's that's why I started my podcast was to talk to directors who are like yeah you said this and actually you were wrong about that and that's fun too because then I get to learn the actual reason behind one one yeah. thing or another it's uh, right. it's a lot of fun because to me some people approach this from a um, you know just wanting to criticize or approach it from I don't know just different perspectives my approach has always been education like I want to learn as much as I can and so I'm not like afraid of being debunked because that just means that more truth is out there that more people get to know what really happened and what's really behind it and get to think for themselves and and I love that Mm -hmm. about it and so if I have a video and I say a thing and someone comes on and says, you were wrong, you said this, and uh, you're kind of an idiot, Kevin. I'm like, perfect. Now I don't have to walk around being an idiot anymore. <laughs> well, I think in one of your uh, YouTube reviews, you in the, in the body of the work, you had said one thing, and then at the end, you wrapped it up. You said, you know what? I was wrong about that, or something like that. And that was, that was I thought, refreshing to, to see you, you know, wrap up. The oh, thanks. Like that. Yeah. Sometimes I, um, a lot of times, because I do write the review, but a lot of times I try to keep any thoughts that I have during the process uh, in there, you know, so it it leaves a feeling that we're watching this for the first time together, and that way I can always kind of explain as the movie goes, and I really, you know, I... And sometimes it's more entertaining where I'm like, man, this is so cliched. And then it gets to the end. I'm like, oh, it was supposed to be that way. Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, and that that's that's fun because then I get to show kind of the creativity of the director that maybe they were a little more creative than I was giving them credit for at the beginning. Mm -hmm. No, I appreciate that. I really like that about your your reviews. Um, So how long does it take you to write one of these reviews and produce it? way too long it's actually not worth it (laughs) yeah i could imagine (laughs) but it's so much fun i love doing it um so it takes me a little while to i just dropped my pen uh (laughs) it takes me a little while to actually like get my next one out so you know sometimes it's it's quicker sometimes it's slower i think the the magnitude of of making it sometimes discourages me from getting it done faster. You know, sometimes you're like, man, I got this big project I got to do. And then you end up playing, you know, solitaire or something. (laughs) (laughs) And so I, I typically what I do is I will watch the movie with my laptop there and I'll just write every thought that comes to my head as I'm watching the movie. And then I will go through that script and I have a pretty good, memory and so I will um, I could kind of remember based on my notes like what happened in the movie and so I'll go through and I'll I'll add jokes or I'll adjust it or I'll make it you know I might say like 
why does that person have a dog on their head or something, you know? And then I'll go in and make a joke like, you know, like, well, this movie's great except for this person <laughs> with a dog on their head and actually make it a little more conversational or, or say, wow, look at this shot. Glad they got the dog in the shot or, you know, something that yeah. that feels a little more like I'm saying it off the cuff. And, um, and then yeah. I film it I filmed just me doing the script and then I put it in my computer, you know, I put the files inside the computer and uh, edit it to the movie. And then I kind of do yeah. several passes of trimming it down because I got to figure out what to take out because I don't want to post the whole movie up there. Um, and and I can't be funny throughout yeah. an entire movie. And I, then I'll actually, I as I'm editing, I will add voiceover stuff to it. So there's parts where, um, and I, it used to be a little more obvious. I now use the same microphone with the same input and everything. But uh, sometimes I can tell like the tone. It's hard. It's really, tone is so frustrating. And I'm, I'm an audio person and I still like, if it's not yep. the exact scenario, yep. uh, anyway. That that's right. getting into the weeds. <laughs> you can't ever recreate. Yeah, something. it's really frustrating. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's the temperature. It's the, the humidity in the air. The, it's this the distance of the microphone. There's so and, many factors. Yeah. yeah, and so I. Uh, but I'll add some jokes or or some thoughts or sometimes it'll be a lot because I'll I'll realize I didn't notice something watching the movie until I was combing through it in editing and I'm like oh, you know some of the sometimes. I think it was one of them recently where I had to actually like delete a lot of jokes that I had made because I was making a joke based on something that actually wasn't true about the movie. I had missed something and I was making fun of like, this movie didn't say this. Well, it did say that. And so it would be dishonest yeah. for me to just cut it out and not tell anybody, hoping nobody would, because nobody's ever done that. Nobody's ever called me out on something that I've said a and and but I know one day they will. And I also because I know that sometimes people won't see the movie and I don't want to like criticize a movie for being something that it isn't because that's my biggest fear is being criticized or even loved for something that I'm not. So uh, I want to be either loved or hated for something that I actually am. <laughs> well, I find that you're you're fair. Um, you're not out just to trash a film. You find the good things. You point out the good things. And if the movie is genuinely good, you you explain that and you encourage people to go see it. So I think it's. I really appreciate what you've done. It's, um, you know, we we need this kind of honest conversation. And you know, I think Christians need that handholding that you do, where you take them through the the story point by point and say, this is why this doesn't work. This is why this is kind of cheesy. This is why this fell flat. Um, and we can do better than that. And then you get all the light bulbs I can see are going off in people's heads going, ding, ding, yeah, I understand. Now I get it. Now I understand how Christian films have sort of fallen below the standards that we're all normally used to seeing and why, you know. So you're no longer getting these comments from people saying, well, Christian films don't look good, aren't good because they don't have enough budget. That has nothing to do with it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's lots of great films that are, are low budget and uh yeah. yeah, I mean, even just this year, I haven't seen it, but a lot of people have been talking about um, The Invisible Man, mm -hmm. and that's a $6 million budget, which is the same as Unplanned or uh, The uh, Overcomer or several Christian movies that have come out in the last year or so have had the same budget as that, and uh, 
Yep. And so mm-hmm. what's your excuse is what I say. <laughs> <laughs> so give me three of your favorite films of all time. Ooh, I hate that question. <laughs> That's a terrible question. Films that are um, your, your feel-good films that you love to watch. <laughs> They're not, not necessarily critical or analytical films that just resonate with you. Yeah, Bambi, of course, Aladdin, and The Jungle Book. All right, there we go. <laughs> I mean, those are great films. I love Aladdin. I love Toy Story. I think, I think. Um, oh, uh, probably A Christmas Story. Oh, okay, yes, absolutely. I love that oh, movie. That, that, that pops uh, up in it, your face a lot. Not just for Christmas. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, Home Alone. Obviously, my channel's named after it because uh, Sega Night Kevin's a joke in the okay, movie. Okay, I was going to ask you, where did that came from? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the mom says, Sega Night Kevin. And he's like, Good night, Kevin. <laughs> it was a nice 90s snotty kid joke. But I love that movie. It's it's scored by uh, by John Williams. And um, and it's uh, it's so good. My wife and I went to the Nashville Symphony where they uh, they'll often do movies and play along with it. And so they they get like I don't know how they do it. They get a cut of the movie without the music in it, and the symphony plays the the music. And I, I, at first I wasn't sure how that would feel, but we went and it was so oh. cool. Like the movie comes alive in such a different way. Wow. And uh, yeah, so but. Uh, Christmas Story is the only VHS that my grandparents owned growing up. And so every time I was over there, I'd watch that movie. And as I've gotten older, I've noticed, of course, the cuss words that are in it that I didn't notice as a kid. <laughs> but also, uh, it's it's such a cool, well-written movie. And which is funny because it's, it's so voiceover driven. And I'm often critical of voiceover because yeah. in Christian movies, it's usually used as a crutch. Yeah. It's usually used as a way to not have to film a scene or show your audience something that they could have learned through um, through visuals and through good acting. Right. And um, It's often but, lazy writing, too. Yeah. Uh, but in this, um, I think in a, in a Christmas story, it's just so interesting because the movie is made to be... It's written as if it's written as an adult being able to enter into what is important to a kid mm-hmm. and speak in a way using adult terminology, but with the in, with the emphasis on the things that kids find important. And it's I think it's so funny. It's a really funny, clever movie that isn't necessarily for everyone, or or maybe it is because everyone talks about it now because it plays. No, we love like it. Like 24 hours. We watch it every year. I love it. It's such a... It, but I say that to say I get something new out of it. I, I'll, still, every year I'll watch it and something new will stick out to me. Yeah. And I think a movie that can do that is yeah, is like, really impressive. fantastic film. So what plans are there in the future of uh, Kevin McCreary? Well, I did a... I, did, I recently did a, a commentary with Dallas Jenkins of his first episode of The Chosen. And I'm thinking of doing that type of thing if directors want to join me uh, more often. And um, I might end up just doing it for, I have a a platform now that's a a paid platform. And it's mainly to support the show because 
yeah. uh, a lot of people like I had Patreon and I still have Patreon, but now I have my own thing just in case Patreon decides to persecute me or something yeah. along those lines. And uh, <laughs> and so what is your new thing? What is it? Uh, it's called uh, SGK Plus. Um, say goodnight, Kevin. Plus, it's like okay, yeah, it's like a streaming service, I guess. But it, it's mainly it if um, uh, a video gets taken down off of YouTube or anything, and I'm gonna start adding stuff. So it's like a, a bonus sort of thing, so you can both support the show and get access to some bonus content that I'm gonna be making. Which one of those things may be these uh, these commentaries, which is a little bit easier uh-huh. to do because I don't have to. I just hop on the phone hop on zoom and watch the movie with the director or, or somebody and we just talk through the through the content and um and with this quarantine stuff that's happened uh it, it's kind of spiked my creativity to uh think of of ways i can do stuff over the phone and um yeah so been doing that cool. uh that that's a lot of fun and um what else i don't know uh I, just watching movies. I'll probably do more secular stuff coming up in the future. I always intend to, and then other Christian movies come my way. Someone just sent me one <laughs> that was called uh, Assassination 33 BC or AD or something like that. And it's about people huh. going, I don't know. I don't entirely, somebody explained it to me. They said it's about people going back in time to stop other time travelers who plan to assassinate Jesus. And <laughs> it sounds so awesome. And it's intentionally wow. Christian. Uh, like it's made, it's not tongue in cheek. It's not, you know, like there's a movie called Velasa Pastor. And it's supposed, it, that's obviously, you know, in the vein of. Yeah. Sharknado, like what are two things we could combine and then make a low budget <laughs> intentional B movie? But this, I think, is is genuine. And uh, but those are the best. Those are the best ones that are like they, they don't know that this is bad. Um, you know, you feel bad if they message you and and are nice. If they're mean, they're like, I can't believe you reviewed my movie, and th- that just keeps the fun going. But <laughs> so I'll probably review that. See, these movies come along. I remember I was about to get into doing way more secular movies, and then the Trump prophecy came out, and I was like, ah, this movie I have to review. <laughs> so, and I'm glad I did. And so they keep on, you know, I start to think like maybe Christian movies are getting better, and so I maybe it'll it'll make sense for me to to kind of skirt into more secular movies, but then. They keep on coming, so. (laughs) Oh, that's great. It's never ending. (laughs) As a a capitalist-leading person, I'm like, that's, but that's natural for that to happen. If there aren't market, if there isn't natural market feedback saying to a business, we don't want this product by having low sales, then there's no reason for them to change their production um, process. Yeah, you know, any business who is who is selling a lot of a thing will keep selling that thing, and any business that is producing a thing that isn't selling are going to shift their resources yeah. towards something that is selling. That's right. Or they're going to go out of business, and so the all of these kind of like let's send a message to Hollywood we don't need to send a message to Hollywood we just need to support 
well-made movies. But what they see as good is a message, you know? And so they say, like, we need to support this. And I, I think that we need to recognize, like, I, I agree. It's so funny because the people who do... Um, I always think about this because in in theory, I believe like boycotting a product is a good idea yeah. uh, in theory because, you know, like don't buy the thing that you don't like that, you know, vote with your dollar. But in practice, the people who do it yeah. are always people I don't agree with <laughs> or who I just wouldn't want to have dinner with. So people who like on yeah. the on the right who are like we're boycotting Disney because they have gay day at Disney World and it's all based on misinformation like Disney World never had a Disney like sponsored gay day it was just people yeah. who were gay decided this is the day we're all going to meet up at Disney yeah. World and Disney World didn't kick them out which is fine they're a business let, <laughs> hey we got a group of people coming we're going to let them get, come we're not going to stop them and yeah. uh, and same on the left, where you have cancel culture and stuff. And I'm like, I agree in 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 theory, but in practice, the methodology is just so off-putting. And in the same yeah. way with Christian movies, I'm like, yeah, I guess support the thing, but don't believe that you're tithing when you go see yeah. a Christian movie. Yeah. Like your tickets, especially mm-hmm. these studio movies that are like. Like the Kendrick brothers that are, right. all that money's going to Sony. It's not going to them. It's You're not supporting the Kendrick brothers ministry because they don't have a ministry. It's, they're a, a business. You're not, yeah. they have to pitch their movie idea to Sony every time they make a movie. And Sony has to then say, okay, this is a movie we think will make money. Here's your money. You can go make the movie. It's not, right. so by supporting the movie, they're, ta- mm-hmm. they're just saying, all right, Good. We made our return on investment on this movie was higher yeah. than our than our than <laughs> Spider Man. So, sure, we'll keep making them. Uh, but it it has nothing to do with wow, Sony's really coming around, or that Sean Astin is a Christian or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it has nothing to do with that. It's just you know when when they make when Fox would make these. Uh, my kid has cancer yeah. and went to heaven movies mm-hmm. uh which is a genre That's apparently cool. in and of itself um those they weren't doing that because they yes. just wanted to spread the yeah. good news of the lord jesus christ they did it because they saw a market to tap into and so they knew that they could do it and it worked they have to be they have to make this thing float so i think that's the most important thing is educating people about the market and how it works and uh, and understanding that whether Christian or not, like people, yeah. and it's okay for people to be business people. Like, I think that's great. I think it's awesome. But like, <laughs> as long as, yeah, as long as people, as long as audiences recognize, all right, right, I recognize that as long as you're okay with it, like know the truth and then decide if you're okay with it. But don't, but that, I think maybe that's just kind of how my brain works because I feel that way about myself where I'm like, I want people, you know, like I said earlier, I want people to love me for who I am or hate me for who I am, not who I'm not. And and love these movies if you get value out of, if the ticket itself, the cost of admission, you get that much value back because you just enjoy the movie that much. But don't think that you're getting, there's more value in the ether because you went and saw this movie. 
that now more people will come to know Jesus because you saw the movie. That's not, it's just, there's no correlation there. But but marketing-wise, they do that a lot of times very unapologetically. Uh, I think they're getting better at it about hiding the ball. <laughs> well, Kevin, I want to thank you for being on the podcast. This was a lot of fun and uh, looking forward to seeing what you're doing in the future. And I still got a lot of your content to go through and and, and entertain my, my family with. So I appreciate the work that you're doing for us. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. You can find Kevin's work at his website, saygoodnightkevin.com, and on his YouTube channel, Say Goodnight Kevin. And if you enjoy his work, you can go deeper by joining SGK Plus, which has a lot of extras that you'll enjoy. There'll be a link in the show notes of this episode. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Ministry of Motion Pictures podcast. For more information about the Ministry of Motion Pictures, you can find us at ministryofmotionpictures.org. What we do in life echoes in eternity.